0: Hello, I'm your host Tyler Chisholm and welcome to Collisions YYC. Today on the show, I sit down with Mr. Jeff Adamson. Jeff was one of the original co-founders that skipped the dishes. He is currently the co-founder at Neo Financial and a new Calgarian who's bringing a cool perspective to our city. With only 13 months on the ground in Calgary, Jeff walks us through why Calgary, why Western Canada, why he believes the Prairie Provinces have the opportunity to lead our country forward in innovation, and more importantly, in the tech space. Jeff talks about his history and his journey as an as a international athlete, moving through to Skip the Dishes and now into Neo Financial, where they are looking to bring a true customer centric disruption to the banking sector. So join me for a great conversation with Mr. Jeff Adamson. Well, hey, I'm 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 sitting here having a good old fashioned chat with. We've been chatting here for about half an hour. I thought I better push record. I'm talking with Jeff Admonson, and Jeff, I'm going to go off of your LinkedIn because that's what you got out to the co-founder at Skip the Dishes, co-founder at Neo Financial, and part of the team at Harvest Builders. Did I capture that, or did I miss anything?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's uh, I think that that's kind of my claim to fame so far. Um, but uh, you know, <laughs> I like that so far. That, that would be the the professional side. But I do, I you know. I think that I've been able to do those things because I was previously an athlete and and that kind of, I think, formed a lot of the way that I I view business and and view work in general. And and so I think I still, even though I'm like very far from an athlete anymore, I still kind of like identify as one and that's probably a bit naive of me, but um, I try to kind of live a lot of the values and and principles that I, I learned as an athlete.
0: Well, you, I'm Pan American Games medalist, Canadian champion, uh, World top ten wrestling, uh, for a good chart, you know, gotten here of 2000 to 2012. I'm assuming though, that's something. Did you, did you grow up in sport? Was that always a big
1: part of your life? Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in uh, in a small community in Saskatchewan, and it was called uh, Grasswood, and I think it probably had. You know, maybe 50 people if you count cats and dogs in the whole community. And oh, okay,
0: you small. you and I grew up in a similar small town. Okay, yeah, I think mine was maybe f- four or 500 people, but yeah, same vibe,
1: same vibe. Yeah, I mean, who's counting, right, Tyler? Uh, at
0: that At that point, if you can, you already know. If you can count it on uh, in your head, it's already it's already a small town.
1: Yeah, and, and and you know, we and we talked about this a bit earlier, but it, it, it's. Um, for me you know we didn't have a come up I didn't grow up with a wealthy family and you know my parent my mom worked part time my dad was a firefighter and um, I think sports were just cheaper than daycare to be honest and um, I think the cheapest <laughs> sport of all was uh, was wrestling because you actually didn't need to have any equipment and I think the I'm probably misquoting this but I think the, the yearly fees for, for membership in the wrestling club was maybe a 100 bucks and that was like three practices a week, and my parents could drop me off, and you know they could go and do their, their run their errands, and and so I think that's a pretty. Uh, that's a pretty strong value proposition for a parent that's a, that's a, it
0: sounds compelling which a lot of sports not to get into this conversation can be very uh, cost prohibitive hockey equipment figure oh, like yeah. some families that i know they're like and they get multiple boys girls in a sport and it's like we we can barely afford to keep this going because it's so it's so and i i didn't i didn't grow up in an environment where wrestling like there wasn't a wrestling coach there wasn't part of that so i didn't i didn't get to grow up around it but i uh, i appreciate the value proposition of uh <laughs> Hey, go! Let's get at it. Let's get Jeff doing something. And it's actually, it's 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 uh, it's not it's not gonna break break the bank.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I mean, there's so much you can learn and in, in, in um especially like in Canada as well. And it's, we're we're so fortunate that we actually have access to be able to do it a diversity of different sports too. Like you know, and especially in Alberta, you know, Calgary is just known for being a, a Winter Olympics powerhouse, and you've got olympic park you've got so many extraordinary athletes that that have come from calgary and um you know to be living to live in a country that you can do winter sports you can do summer sports and, and we have olympic medalists from both winter and summer games i think i mean i'm i'm i feel incredibly fortunate and grateful to be to be able to have been exposed to all those different types of things growing up mm-hmm. i wasn't very good at, uh, at hockey or you know football for example but you know, the more fringe sport, the more fringe it was, the better I was at it, actually, I
0: think. Okay. Well, yeah, because re- wrestling definitely is. Uh, it's interesting living in Calgary. Just I grew up in Eastern Canada and like it, it's nothing to like you know, when you first started meeting Olympians here, it kind of, you know, I was kind of like, oh, wow, that's really. And then you just realize they're everywhere here, it's, <laughs> which is quite an interesting phenomenon. Like I'm not demeaning that at all, but you know, first job, I'm like, oh, that person was on the bobsled team and that person did that. And I'm like, well, it just felt a little bit surreal when I first moved here.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think, um, well, I think just because they, they obviously hosted the Olympics and, and I was really hoping that Calgary would get it again. I mean, without knowing any of the economic impacts, I was kind of, it was very millennial of me. I was like, yeah, I just want that. I want, <laughs> I don't care <laughs> cost. I don't care if we're paying. That was for a money.
0: whole, that was a whole interesting process of like where people decided to dig in and the reasons why people were for versus the reasons why we were against. And yeah, I think that was unfortunate, just on a lot of fronts, but I mean, that, again, that's another, that's a whole another podcast. <laughs>
1: Well, have the, the, the separate, like why Calgary should host the Olympics podcast. And we'll just bring people on and just debate
0: <laughs> just a rant, just to rant and get into an argument about why they think this or why they think that.
1: So, Hey, I'm just, uh,
0: this is about Calgary. This is about Western Canada. It's about Canada. Yes. It's called collisions. YYC. We don't live in an Island, but you're relatively new to Calgary. And we were talking a little bit online. How long have you actually been in Calgary been in town?
1: I'm coming on thirteen months now, so my okay, my, yeah, my, <laughs> coming on thirteen. Yeah, so just over a year. I, I measure things in months because we have got a newborn at home, and, and so he's he's just over eight months. So now, if if it's like under five years, I just go by months. Um, so. He, that is definitely a
0: parent phenomenon. I was like, "Oh, my child is thirty-seven months." I'm like, "I think you can say years. Like, I think you can get into years now." But I'm not. I don't have kids, so I can't judge. But so you've been here for 13 months, yeah. and just looking at it, you, went right from wrestling right into Skip the Dishes, and then boom, the 2019. So you've been here since 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 then. So and now you've got Neo Financial. So maybe let's just start with that. I think everyone knows what Skip the Dishes is. I don't want to oversimplify, but that's pretty safe, and we'll touch on that a little bit. But what's Neo Financial? What are you working on right now?
1: So, neo-financial is basically our, our kind of answer to the Canadian banking industry. And I think um, when people talk about Skip the Dishes all the time and, and they talk about, you know, about, hey, why has Skip gotten to the way it is? And I think that the main reason, obviously, like people, number one reason, bar none, um, but we also basically just applied modern technology to an industry that had kind of fallen behind. And the, re- the restaurant industry... You know, they were an industry that had actually had originally said no to the telephone. You know, like, why would someone want to call me when they could just come to the restaurant and, you know, pick up the food or, or dine in? Um, you know, it was still operating on fax machines uh, when we started to Skip the Dishes. And similarly, the banking industry is one that had really fallen behind. I mean, it's, you know, hundreds of years old. There's been a, a lack of innovation in the banking industry due to a lack of competition you know it's really just dominated by yep. the big five banks um, and we really felt that uh, that canada was falling behind the rest of the world you know and we, we had seen that uh, if you look at countries you know the united states the uk you've got uh, Revolut, monzo in the uk you've got n26 in germany um even brazil has an incredibly advanced bank called new bank with you know 80 million customers uh, and canada just we're kind of we're, we're missing out on a lot of the innovations of this tech revolution that's occurring globally. Um, and just for kind of a quick example, most of the big five banks in Canada operate on a coding language that was created in 1958 called COBOL. And so literally, if you, if you actually want to get someone to work on it, you have to get someone to come out of retirement um, who learned how to program. And, and they may have actually retired in the 70s or 80s and get them to come and work on it. Wow. So, so we thought- well and,
0: and, and literally just no reason to innovate. Because when I hear something like that, I'm like, okay, something's gone wrong in the matrix here where it's like, how many things have not been innovative since that time? And it was simply because they didn't have to, like back to the no competitive, no pressure, no external customer pressure to
1: change. It's so true though. I mean, like you are only going to be as good, unless you're just like incredibly intrinsically motivated as a, as a person, as a company, to really push the envelope without feeling like you've got other people kind of nipping at your heels. But when you have the government kind of protecting you, and you all kind of collude together to kind of keep the status quo, and you know, and and not very many people have exposure to what's happening in other countries, like China, for example. Yeah, you can you can order a cab, book a hotel, book a flight, send money to your friends, order food, all on one app, and chat with your friends. Like they have these super apps that are, that are literally you can you can run your life off of one of them. And then meanwhile in Canada, it's like I can, you know, barely figure out how to like do an e-transfer on some of these.
0: I love that. Meanwhile, back in Canada, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so we, you know, we really so without the, the without the innovation, without the competition, you know, Canadians and, and as someone who's really passionate about Canada, you know, I represented Canada as an athlete for, you know, probably about a dozen years. I, I, I want Canada to have a position of preeminence um, in whatever we do. You know, I want us to be global leaders in in technology, in sports, in, in business. And when you look and say, like, oh, well, Canada is falling behind from a technology perspective. Um, we are paying amongst the highest fees to do banking um, globally. And on top of that, you look at the amount of debt that Canadians are carrying. I mean, over 50% of Canadians are in a, in a state of debt hopelessness, where they actually don't believe they can, they is that the
0: number fifty percent? Wow, that's it's a little higher actually.
1: Wow. This was last year. This is before COVID. So yeah, yeah. Um, Ooh, so that'll be yeah, we'll be higher now. So it, it's like you know, if if um, you know, if Canadians are are really, if they really are, care about being you know better than we are right now, and if they want to have you know something that's comparable to what the other people have in other countries, there's got to be some change. And I don't see mm-hmm. that any of the big five banks are going to push the envelope, and so. We, we saw that as an opportunity for us to say, well, you know what, let's let's see if we can disrupt this industry and let's see if we can provide Canadians with a, a better saving experience, um, with a better spending experience. So we're starting with um, with a next generation MasterCard. It'll be the first MasterCard in, in Canada that actually gets smarter the more you use it. And we'll be able to layer in financial tools to help people make better decisions with their money. Um, and also give Canadians... The one of the highest interest rates on their savings, and and not have these like complicated like okay, well it's you get a high interest rate for three months and then it goes away and you can only move money yeah, from your if you
0: maintain this balance and if you yeah. only do this many transactions yeah and it, like,
1: exactly yeah, yeah, yeah you have to keep it in your savings account you can't move it to your checking account we're just saying hey yeah put it in in with Neo and you're going to get amongst the highest rates in Canada and you can use it however you want um, these are simple things like very very simple things that you know I. I don't think the banks I
0: I venture to say they sound common sense when you say them like that.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's your money
0: that we pay you the premium for to give us the privilege of having it in our in our system. And don't worry, you can use it any way you want. Yeah. Hmm. And
1: and and that sounds
0: pretty much like something I would want. (laughs) So we're
1: building the the most loved bank in Canada. And and you know, I think succeed or fail, if we force the whole industry to innovate by pushing the envelope, that'll be a success for us. Mm. You know, like it you know, if we start coming out with, with New ways of doing simple things, um, things that seem like common sense. You know, get, getting rid of complicated rewards point systems where it's like, what the hell is a point worth? Like, why do I have to log into this clunky website? You know, and I can only redeem a certain amount and there's blackout periods and they're they're marking up the prices on things that I want and I, you know, my points expire. Let's just give people what they want. They want cash. They want they want more money in their pocket. That's what Canadians want. They want their their dollar to go further. And, and so that's what we're focused uh, I, on.
0: I, I appreciate your, your drive to kind of destroy complexity, which creates this abstract, very difficult ability to understand what I'm actually getting value from and what I'm not. And then you kind of just roll up your, you just kind of like pull away and go, okay, fine, I'll just whatever. Because the average person, it takes a lot of time to lean in and truly understand what you said. And that complexity, beating complexity out of a situation is only going to engage more customers.
1: <laughs> like, I think it's complicated enough to manage your money well. But then, you know, without, without all the loopholes,
0: without all the the, the the tricks. Yeah, just without
1: making things complicated. And, and I think that, you know, especially when you look at like, um, you know, banking customers have some of the most loyal relationships with their banks of any relationship in their life. Most banking relationships will last longer than, than marriages. And it's like, well, why aren't people being rewarded for that loyalty? Instead, they're actually being charged. They're actually being punished in a lot of ways. And so we're, we're saying, well, Let's actually make this a rewarding experience for Canadians that gets much, much better rapidly. And so by building, like we, we obviously could have started up a bank and been just like everyone else and probably make good money doing it. But instead, we decided, right. hey, let's actually do things differently. So we're instead of taking these legacy pieces of technology and kind of patching them together, um, we decided to build the whole banking stack basically from scratch, which is way, way harder to do. But it means yeah, that, that's
0: no—that's no easy task,
1: and it means Tyler that we're going to be able to layer in advancements and new functionality and features um, at a pace that no one else is going to be able to keep up with. Things like bill splitting, things like transferring money to to friends instantly, um, things like financial tools, credit builder technology, um, even even getting a neo card, customers are going to be able to do it in under three minutes. You know, how many banks can you get approved for a credit card and actually use your credit card in under two or three minutes? And again- it, So yeah. actually
0: building a customer-centric financial institution, which they all claim they are with friendly photos and appealing like you know, you and your dog playing in the field kind of thing. Yeah. But that's not really what it is when you get in there and actually interact on a daily basis.
1: Yeah. And I think, it, I mean, hmm. I don't think they're Trust. bad people. I don't think the banks are, are bad and, and mean to harm anyone. And and it certainly, they've done wonderful things. They were very stable too. I think that, you know, throughout the financial crisis, the banking industry, um, you know, didn't collapse. They didn't need to be bailed out either. And I think that they deserve recognition for that. Um, however, I do think that it's it's 2020. And if I can order a cab with the touch of a button, I can order food on demand. Um, I can basically stay at someone's place across the world by booking it through Airbnb, yet, all those types of technologies and experiences seem to be so distant from the experiences that people have with their bank. And I think it's time to give it a, a refresh. Uh,
0: that's excited. I'm, I'm excited to learn more and to, to, to see you guys have this unfolds. And I guess now the question that's burning in my mind... Why Calgary? You guys, you know, 13 months ago decided to move here to set up shop and, and like very curious about what you saw. And on our first call, our our pre our first date call before we got on the podcast, you had some interesting perspectives of even some of the challenges you've had with investors of like, okay, when are you leaving? When are you going somewhere else? Or, you know, and how you guys are leaning in on Calgary. I think there's some some I'm I'm very curious of kind of what was in that decision matrix and and what you've learned even since being here over the last 13 months. As 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 a new as a new, you know as a new person moving to Calgary to Calgary.
1: Well, I am. I, I, I don't know if Calgary sees itself as being part of the prairies. I've heard some people say that they're foothills. Um, so. Mm, okay. That's interesting. I'm, being from the prairies, I kind of have kind of looped Calgary in, into the prairie folk. Um, okay. For the
0: sake of today's conversation, we're going to include that in the mix. We might get some hate mail or not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's good. Hey, that means people are listening. So I'm okay with that.
1: Um, so the original crew that, that, that founded Skip was um, we were all from Saskatoon. So we all went to uh, the University of Saskatchewan. We all kind of knew each other from there. And um, I think after we'd graduated, you know, I was kind of, I was on the Canadian national wrestling team and, you know, traveling around the world, competing and training. Saskatoon was still my home base though. And um, the other co-founders, Chris and Josh Samir, they'd also kind of uh, went and worked abroad and, and had that, you know, experience working in different places. Uh, and Andrew Chow, uh, one of the other co-founders, he had what well, worked at Boston Consulting Group, he'd worked at the World Food Program in, in Rome, um, and, and then had actually relocated back to Calgary. Um, and so while we were building Skip, he actually kind of commuted back and forth to to Winnipeg. Um, so Calgary was his, his home base. So the the simple answer is Andrew was already here. <laughs> okay. No,
0: I, but, sometimes it's the simplest things that are uh, like, we're like, well, it was easy. So we just did it.
1: No, but the, the real reason though, that, I mean, and that's, that's kind of, um, Andrew was one of the first, uh, founders to leave skip the dishes. So he, he was kind of already snooping around with different ideas of, of, of different startups. And, um, he was the one that had kind of been like coming up with different ideas and bouncing them off of, uh, of Chris Marini and, 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 we had kind of been, Chris and I were still running skip. So we were thinking, we were kind of like vetting some of these ideas. And some of them were, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't care if Andrew hears this. Some of them were just really, really bad, like on, on demand, <laughs> honey delivery. Um, there was like something to do with, um, with renting puppies, I think was one of them, um, which probably has like, I, I um, and then, then he L- literally and figuratively. <laughs> and then he started talking about the banking industry and I was like, and we started kind of peeling back the layers on, on banking and we're like, okay, there's there's some opportunity here and we, we think Canadians deserve better. And then, then you know, I was happy with my life in, in Manitoba and in Winnipeg. I think Winnipeg often does get a bit of a, a hard time from Canadians. You know, when, when I tell people that I was living in Winnipeg, I moved from Winnipeg to Calgary, they're like, oh, you must love it here. And, you know, I'm starting to not take offense to it because... I think that Winnipeg is, is one of the best cities I've ever lived in. You know, I think it's, you know, I believe that the people make a city because all the, the beautiful things about cities, they kind of eventually over time, you just get used to them. Right. But I don't think you ever get used to great people. I think you're constantly. Yeah, that's,
0: a, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting perspective, and I think moving here, you're right. There's things the mountains are close, and dah, 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 oh, yeah. dah, but that's all. That's you. You do take that for granted, but this is a big, small town, and I say that in a very positive yeah. way in terms of the willingness for people to support each other. How easy it is yeah. to just boom, you and I. I don't even know how we got connected, just through a random friend, and next thing you know, we have a great chat and we're having a podcast, exchanging ideas. Yeah. I find that that happens here at a pace that I just I didn't yeah. experience that in other places. Yeah, sure. and then
1: that's a that's a really good thing about Calgary, and I, and you don't want to. Ever- Lose that, Um, and and I think especially too, like people coming together without really any—I don't have any ulterior motive. You know, I I personally just—I really value relationships as, and and I believe that, you know, the relationship is is valuable enough in and of itself. I don't need any other outcome other than having that, and you know, and, and I like that about about cities, and and Winnipeg is a city where they're not trying to people aren't trying to prove anything to one another. They just value they value people for who they are, and. That um, that was something that was a really great part of of living there and building a company there. And when we were thinking about, okay, well, we want to build another company. And, and part of the reason why Winnipeg wasn't a, a an attraction to us was that it wasn't really known for building t- tech companies in Winnipeg. You know, no one had really mm-hmm. built a multi billion dollar. There hadn't been any big multi billion dollar exits um, in anyone's recent memory, wherever. Um, and we thought, well, like the uh, I feel at least I, how I gain um, importance or, or value and happiness and contentment is is feeling like I'm having an impact. You know, what I do, I want to make sure I'm, and feel like I'm actually doing something important, something meaningful. And, you know, going to Silicon Valley and building a billion dollar tech company, I don't know if Silicon Valley is really going to care. <laughs> like they've got No, that's fair enough. They, they, yeah, they, I've,
0: I've, it's a, like it's the big fish, small pond kind of philosophy, right? Or, or whatever, whichever way you want to go with that one.
1: Silicon Valley will be doing just fine with or without me. You know, I, I don't think they uh, that's that's an interesting
0: perspective of where you can actually have impact to your side, have impact, but through creating value for your community, for yes, people, uh, financially, sense of purpose, and, doing something cool, and, 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 <laughs> doing something yep. cool, and being able to get on the map for that has got some value.
1: Absolutely, Tyler, and, <laughs> and I think that. You know, being able to set a city or a province in a new direction, um, that to me is an ambitious goal that is worth, you know, dedicating at least a big part of my life to. And so the idea of like, hey, let's let's build a billion dollar tech company in the prairies. And it's like, oh, no, like you got to go work for the government or go and work for a big egg company or go work for a big oil company. It's like, yeah, but those companies are going to be just fine without me. I don't don't think they need me. You know, I think what we do need yep. is a new direction. I think what we do need is people doing things that are different. And so we we started up Skip um, out of the basement in Saskatoon, and then we we moved our headquarters to Winnipeg. And when we we're looking at Neo, we we're like, well, the idea of doing it, in, I, I would be happy to do it in Manitoba. But the idea, like, we kind of looked at Calgary and we thought, you know, there's a ton of great talent in in Alberta. You know, I feel like some of the the value creation and the value extraction years may be changing. You know, I felt mm-hmm. like it was a, a province in need of something new and different. I think it, I felt like it, there was a, I felt like there was a growing sentiment here that it was time. And so the idea that like, Hey, maybe Alberta is starting to come to the realization that there needs to be a world after energy, you know, and so I, I started talking to lots of different people and, and, you know, and started meeting lots of great people. And that's when I was like, you know, the ability, the, the opportunity, I think to come and to start and, and, you know, again, succeed or fail, but to to strive as hard as we can to create uh, a, a multi-billion dollar tech company in a place that's not really known for it. Although again, we you, we did have um, the Morgan Stanley acquisition of uh, I'm spacing on the name Uh, Solium Solium, you know and and that's like a great success story and I think that you
0: know, it, it, and, and, and arguably that's still a success story that I still think is a little bit under the radar. Totally. <laughs> like it's it, like, it's it's a great story and it comes up time and yeah. time again. And people are like, well, no one's really talking about it. Like yeah. why? And anyway, that's a whole nother call. We'll get yeah. into that a little bit of maybe we're, we're not good at telling our stories or, or, or kind of holding up that flag to your point that, Hey, we're ready for change. We're open. Like Calgary is open for business, a different kind of business. I almost want to say.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and so again, I, I, we thought that, you know, Hey, if we can come, if we can come here and we can you know, strive as valiantly as we can to do it, maybe that will get other people to start saying, maybe maybe my career path is different than what my father's was and my mother's was, and, and maybe I can, we, can, uh, we can actually create an industry here um, centered around technology and value creation, and that to me is um, is an opportunity worth moving provinces for.
0: <laughs> no, I, I really I really appreciate that. And like showing people get, like it's all about that. And I've had a lot of guests on talking about like we're still on the cusp of that critical mass when people can look in from the outside and say, Oh, I can go there, work here for a while, but then maybe go there. Or there's a handful of exits. So there's people now that are in maybe the angel space that actually have funds, but also have experience and have track record, and we're still on that journey where talking to people in Silicon Valley, you've got a well entrenched multi-generational exit mentor growth investor like profile, where Calgary, I think we're still really in the early in the early days of that. And we arguably need some wins just for the fallout effect of that to trickle down into all of these other startups where you look at, you know, Waterloo or places where they've had enough cycles. We're just still very early in those cycles, I believe is a big factor.
1: Yeah. And I think that it's such a grind to get a startup to uh, an exit of, of kind of material value. And, and I think that mm-hmm. there is a tendency, I think, for some Canadian entrepreneurs to to exit and then kind of get into real estate or get into kind of more traditional businesses because they're just like, oh, man, like I did it. It was hard. I've kind of made it now. And, you know, now I'm just going to kind of do, you know, sprinkle some maybe some angel money here and, you know, kind of get into some more, mm-hmm. more kind of less risky things when the reality is like, now if you've had a successful exit, I think you're in a position you could actually take even more risk than you did before. Um, and I think we, we there are people who have done it for sure, but I think, you know, for, for for entrepreneurs who have had an exit, for them to kind of okay, like like now we got to keep this going. Like, is the is the is the goal as an entrepreneur is it to get rich, or is the goal to to build an ecosystem? You know. And it Mm -hmm. comes down to each entrepreneur's goals and and it's not mine.
0: Or to your, to your goal of like to have impact. If it's to have impact and all of a sudden now you're well-funded, arguably with your experience and your funds, you can have an even greater impact, I would argue.
1: hundred percent. And like we, we were kind of sitting together as as the kind of founders and we were like, okay, you know, who knows what's going to happen with, you know, with Skip, you know, now that we're kind of out and um, you know, we got a window of time where I think we'll have some recognition from having Built it and we got to strike. We got to go now because if you wait like you know five years, if we kind of just go and sit on a beach for the next five, ten years, then um, we're going to miss our window to have a, a bigger impact, right? So instead of taking a break, literally, I, I took uh, after leaving Skip last year, I i went to a wedding. Uh, so one of the co founders of Skip got, got married. We actually all put off our our, our marriages to uh, and, and again, like the, the sacrifices of an entrepreneur and, and the
0: sacrifices of their, of their spouses, male or female. Everything that we've
1: done has been because we've had incredible amount of support from, and, and I can speak for myself. My wife um, is the biggest supporter I have, and I couldn't have done anything without her um, and without her support, um, you know, and being there for me and, and allowing me to, to be able to focus on, on, on building, and so I think, um, yeah, we we basically took about two weeks. I went and visited her parents, uh, my wife Olia's parents, in 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 Europe, and then uh, came back and started up Neo and moved to Calgary. <laughs>
0: How's been the reception for you in Calgary in terms of the, you know, this the ecosystem that is, you know, still in its infancy, I believe? But there's so much going on with startup and platform and CD and CDL and the things that they're doing to create, you know, movement in the city and some of the people that have had success. Has it been an open arms, like back to that small town? Have you guys this is a weird question, but any regrets? Has this been like, wow, this was the right decision? This this city has really been open to us or not? Like this is also identifying where we still have challenges. This isn't just a high fives and everything's awesome conversation
1: yeah so i think that um it's i i would love to say like yeah absolutely like calgary is the best and and it's been open arms but i think it's really too soon to tell i think that you know we we need to we need to have you know again multi-billion dollar exits or or even just long-term enduring successful tech companies i think before we can kind of say you know, is this working? I think there are indicators along the way. You know that that will say, mm-hmm. okay, things are kind of moving in the right direction. Um, Calgary has wonderful people. There's no question, talented people. Um, but I don't. Wanna, I don't want to give my verdict of like, oh yeah, like things are great. Um, I think we've got a long. No, oh, I appreciate that. Long, long ways to go. I mean, it's um, unfortunately, I think that Calgary is very late to the game, very, very late, um, and it's. You don't want to have to wait until you're in a you know, $20 billion deficit to say, hey, I got to change. Usually you want to see the writing on the wall ahead of time.
0: It's like borrow it's like, it's like the money before you need it kind of mindset, right? <laughs> Once you need it, it's like then nobody wants to bail you out.
1: <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, so it's, we're, we're obviously optimistic and hopeful or else we wouldn't be here, but it's, yes. I think we definitely need to keep moving. We need to move fast.
0: I, I appreciate there's no time to you said indicators you mentioned you know some exits or you know the alternative and I don't want to overlook that a company that's successful but continues to operate as well it's not always necessarily an exit an exit I think is the that pinnacle of success yeah. for when everyone gets to exit and the you know investors get to get recognized for their the trust they had or the faith they took but having a large operating company also helps create an ecosystem any other indicators that you look at when you sit back at Calgary and if you were you know if we we're going to build our dashboard our Calgary dashboards question I love to ask people because everyone has a different perspective what would be on the dashboard of the that, you know, we're on a beach somewhere and we look back and go, wow, K-, you know, Calgary's doing pretty good. Look at, look at, I see this is happening. I see that's happening. And what, uh, what would pop up for you in terms of that, that KPI?
1: Um, You know, I, I think that, I think it starts with, I mean, in terms of KPIs, obviously like you can look at number of startups, you can look at number of VC investment, mm-hmm. you can look at um, exits, you can look at, you know, revenues, how many IPOs, things like that. Like those are all pretty easily. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's, before you have those things, I think it starts with the people that you've got who are starting to think of, okay, hey, what is possible? Like getting people to start saying, hey, what is a problem that I care enough about solving that I'm willing to dedicate a good part of my life to solving?
0: Oh, that's, I like that criteria. What's a problem that I care about deeply enough to basically put my heart and soul into? That's an interesting little, that's just, that's a really cool criteria. You can weed a lot of things out really quickly with that criteria. Well, and I think it's like you, on demand honey being one of them but i'm just saying not not being critical of your girlfriend's I idea. Like
1: i live in bridgeland so i feel like i saw a trailer of someone pulling um so i think some people actually started andrews ideas actually i think some people are like are actually running that business but, uh,
0: well, Hey, talking about small towns, I think I grew up in Quebec where we made maple syrup. It was kind of like that. Like the season would come around, you knew who wanted it. You begged. maple. <laughs> so I, I, I think we're almost, like we're hearkening back to a simpler time when the guy who made the honey would go around delivering the honey. That, that's how it worked.
1: <laughs> you know, and I was talking to, who was I talking about this with? Um, it, it was, uh, my, my wife's mother. So she grew they, they grew up in the, in, during the Soviet union and they, hmm. when the, the iron curtain fell, like it was just, mayhem literally like like uh groups of people walking around with lead pipes saying you basically need to pay us for your for for protection and so her father lost his job at the factory her mother i can't remember what she did she obviously lost her job currency all your savings whatever you had was completely devalued overnight um and so what she did and, and during the soviet union the times they they would distribute genes to all men women and children just jeans because everyone got their allotment of jeans and in the small communities. And this is just why I love love this story because it just talks to you about business and like a startup mentality. But in the cities there is like not enough jeans for the amount of people who wanted them. People really wanted jeans Cause that's what the Americans were wearing. And there was kind of that.
0: Okay. It was, it was a representation of Western freedoms. Yeah, yeah for sure. Absolutely. was, it was the symbol of freedom in a, in a way. Yeah. And
1: then, so, uh, so everyone in the city wanted the jeans, but and in the rural communities, no one really cared. They had, they made a lot of their own clothes and, but they still got their allotment of jeans. So my, my wife's mother, I see, I
0: see the opportunity brewing right there.
1: go <laughs> really around to these small communities, buy up all the jeans, come back to the city and, and sell them. So it was just very like, very simple um, uh, supply and demand. And, Mm-hmm. And that, that
0: with 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 a touch with a touch of survival, which I would argue that Calgary were in a bit of a survival situation, like like we we need to do things differently, or the outcome will not be positive.
1: It already isn't positive. I mean, like I, I yeah. saw the the, yeah. the report. I mean, like I I'm concerned that you know Calgary is going to become the next Detroit. You know, and and like. I know. I've heard.
0: I've heard that floated around. I. I and, yeah,
1: and then yeah, it makes me cringe. So quick, but I mean, I, actually, Detroit's a great city. Like, not to say anything bad about Detroit, but it,
0: but but what it had to go through to work its way exactly. back. to You know what yeah, I mean? Like, I mean, yeah, like can we can we avoid that dark place and still yeah, get the turnaround? You know what I mean? It's like, like
1: you got a friend who's like addicted to something, you know, and you're just like, hey, man, like you really got to get off of smoking or you're drinking too much, and like, hey, like your wife's going to leave you or you're going to lose your job or you're going to go bankrupt and like you're gonna lose your house. And it's like, you know that these things are coming and like, you know that you got to change. And it's like, do mm-hmm. you want to, you're trying to tell your friend, like stop now. Like, because if you don't, this is going to happen. Then, then your friend loses his job and you're like, why did you have to wait until you lost your job to change? And
0: yeah. what? Well, how many versions of rock bottom do you have to hit? Right.
1: Yeah. And and I think right now, I, I mean, I feel like, a lot of people know, and it's not like energy is going away. Like the world needs power; um, we need all the products that we get from petroleum. So it's not like I'm saying, like, hey, oil and gas, we don't need it. it but it's, it's kind of like saying, hey, we need it, but we, we that's not going to be enough anymore.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's not going to be what it was. There is no hold your breath and bounce. Yeah, you know, I had someone say to me the other day, well, we're only about two or three years into this transition. I said, what do you mean? It's been five years. Yeah, the first two years we just held our breath because we thought it was going to come back. I thought that was just there was a lot of power in that statement. Anyway. I think that's
1: <laughs> the problem is that we it doesn't matter if it comes back. It's It probably will. Like it probably will bounce back and it'll probably be like, Oh, thank God. (laughs) Oh, thank God. I actually Mm. didn't need to change. I can go back to drinking again. It's like, I can I can I can be <laughs> you know what they gave me my house back so I don't have to yeah. yeah
0: I think that has been one of the advantages like and I don't want to be negative because a lot of people have been negative but been impacted but the fact that it's lasted as long as it have is an advantage towards this change this this reason and motivation to change. If it's like even in 08 it bounced back after six months. Nobody really oh, just another blip and we're gonna move on. But the fact that it's been protracted as long as it has, I think has added I think value to the need to change it's because it didn't go back too quickly.
1: I think it's kind of like something where you know that eventually like the world is going to change and the world is going to move on. And so if you know that's going to happen at some point in the future, then you need to start making the transition like now, like it's kind of like um, if I, if I know that I, that, that something is coming, it's like, what's the point in continuing to just kind of milk it Yeah, and, and I yeah. think that, I mean, obviously, obviously like, again, I'm saying this with, with the full intention of that, that oil and gas is still incredibly important, um, and we need it today. We're not ready to transition away from it. It's just like we need that, and we also simultaneously need something new that's going to give people a reason to stay and, and call the prairies home. And, and, and I think from a, from a more of a cultural perspective, too, we need kids growing up wanting to stay here we need kids being inspired to go and work for companies in the prairies and i don't hear many kids growing up saying hey i want to i want to go and be an oil field engineer for Suncor." i hear a lot of kids saying they want to go work for google facebook instagram you know netflix amazon like i like i hear people talking about how they want to get into um work for these cool companies but like do i hear people saying hey i want to go work for the government do i want to hear what people saying i want to go and um, work for a mining company. I mean, there, I'm certain there are some, but it's not. It, yeah, it no, not no. Along. I,
0: I've, I had a recent, I had a recent someone on said the same thing, and one of their metrics was when you know you've got, you've got kids in school. Part of their journey is to stay here and work at the kind of companies they want to work at, and that gap around like you know. Not being critical, and I don't want to call anybody out, but there's the conversation around. I want to go work at X major oil and gas company is definitely different than it was, you know, even five years ago, eight years ago, not like literally
1: yesterday. Yeah, I think to, and to, your, to your question, Tyler. But what are the indicators? What's the dashboard look like? I think you know we need to have people getting excited about pursuing things that they care about. You know, like like pursuing hmm. ideas and solving problems that they really give a damn about. Um, and I think that's that would be one indicator you know, this idea that like, listen, you can, you can try to solve a problem that you care about. And then the cool thing is that you get to do it with people that you like, you get to build your team, right? <laughs> I think many, many people, if you talk to them, they work for a miserable company. Why are they still there? Ah, oh, well, I really like the people I work with. And you hear, you hear yeah. that all the time, right? It's like, well.
0: Yeah, you don't leave a job, you leave people, right? That's, <laughs> uh, that's the other flip side of that one. I thought, yeah, I thought so.
1: people leave a, a crappy boss. That's what they, that's what they say.
0: Yeah. 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 There's, I think there's a lot of, yes, a lot of versions of this say you leave a manager or whatever, but still, yeah. if, you, if you don't like the people you work with, we're all little kids at the end of the day. If we're liking it, we'll stick around. If we don't like it, we'll throw a tantrum and do something else. Like it, it's not, it's not super complicated if you boil it right.
1: But, I, but the cool thing is that like, yeah, you, you you get to find a company that's solving a problem that you care about or, or you know, start solving the problem. yourself. And you get to build your team. That's that's one of the most rewarding parts of, of building a company is mm-hmm. you get to say, hey, one, I care about the problem we're solving. And I literally get to pick the people that that's obviously like they can choose not to come which is actually, uh, like,
0: well, yeah, they, they, you get to pick them, but they get to pick you too. Yeah. Like that's well, to right. me, that relationship ideally should be perfectly balanced in my mind. Always. That's yeah. when you get the best. And, deal. and it's
1: even better sometimes when you're like, Hey, you try to scare them away and they still want to come, which is kind of happened a lot with skip and with Neo. It's like, listen, we're like, Hey, like you may not want to do this cause it's going to be really tough. You know, you may not like you, you, you've got a good comfy job right now. Like maybe that's, Better, and then and they keep coming back and they keep saying, you know what? Hey, I, I, I want in, and then after you try to scare them away enough times and they still want in, then you didn't know that to-
0: it's the good old the good old takeaway sale. You don't want to buy this. You do not want <laughs> to buy into this. This is not it. But no, I, as an entrepreneur, sometimes you can oversell a job, and I think that's way worse. You're much better to sell the reality and then well, let the experience kind of unfold.
1: Tell like it's like this is going to be a grind. Like it's you know, and I think every person I've spoken to that's you know built a. a pretty successful company it's it's been a huge grind and but it can be a grind working at a company that you don't even enjoy being at anyways so if it's going to be a grind either way it may as well be a grind that you care about
0: you yeah, know hard work is still a thing but when you enjoy it it feels it feels very different like you know what I'm, i mean all the i'm
1: glad that we're i remember for a period of time um maybe this is like five years ago passive income was the thing like i feel like
0: how do I make money with doing nothing? Yes. And, and almost working hard became a dirty, like it was frowned upon. It was almost like that was the old way of being successful. Like if you hustled or if you put in extra hours, you were actually kind of making bad life choices. I, yeah. I didn't like that. Cause that's not how I was raised. I was no. raised the polar opposite yes. almost to the extreme of the harder. You're like, if it's not working out, just work harder, which isn't always the answer either. But yeah. you know what I mean? It, it was like,
1: I felt like YouTube and all these other social media platforms that they just exploded with all these ads where it was like, Hey, I'm just at my, um, beachfront resort property um here's all my cars um yes here's my yacht I make 200k (laughs) a month and uh passively i don't actually have to do any work i get to work wherever i want and then i was like how many conversations i had to to have with people where it's like if you you can totally have that life if you want like the but that is not the life that we're that's not how we're building it here (laughs)
0: Yeah, I don't know a lot of people that have be able to pull that off. Like, uh, uh, but but you have to understand that they're now selling you into anyway. That was a whole. Yeah. That, you're right. That, I don't see those as much anymore. But there was a phase of time when that was like prevalent, yeah. and heaven forbid you watch any late night TV because there was a whole bunch of cycles in there too. Before you know that we watched Netflix and don't have to deal with the infomercial cycles. I'm but, gonna <laughs> like, I gonna
1: actually want to be uh, Tyler Chisholm because I'm going to be you know an influencer. I'm going to be. You know, like like, I want to run a podcast and and make passive the
0: Well, the podcast is the new craze for sure. But I'll, I will tell you with, uh, with, uh, uh, unwavering, uh, accuracy, this is not a get rich quick scheme. Just so you know, it's a great way to meet fantastic people. I joke. And I always say this and it's, cliche, it's, it's becoming a cliche. I would do this if no one listened because I get to meet awesome people and have good conversations. That's why I do it. And guess what? I think that's also why it goes so well. And people, I, it tends to work because that was the intent. And guess what? It, it's the best tool for having a, a, like literally a good old fashioned chat that I've encountered. It's fantastic. I
1: it's so, I mean, you mentioned intent there, Tyler. And I think that's so important that you, you're you going into something with the right intent. And I think that mm. that's so important when we think as well about what, what, about what people are doing in Calgary, Alberta or across the prairies. It's like, okay, is your intent to make a lot of money? Is your intent to solve? a problem? Like, why are you doing something? You know, and like to think really hard and why. and also to check back into yourself because it's like, I think maybe sometimes people get into doing something, you know, whether that be working for an employer or, you know, making an education choice and then checking back in. It's like, hey, why am I really doing this? And are the reasons I'm doing it today the same as the ones that got me started on this? I, I, I can tell you, like, I, I don't have a business background. I, I went to university basically just to compete in a sport and... Um, the byproduct of that was I got an education. I went into, you know, general arts and sciences, uh, and then pivoted over into uh, agriculture, because I thought, hey, agriculture is a big business, and people need to eat. I was like, "Uh, maybe I'll find, I got out of university, got a job, was miserable, absolutely miserable, uh, working, doing field research as a kind of junior scientist, um, growing uh, canola out in, in research plots in Saskatchewan, and basically on my hands and knees picking weeds and um, setting up irrigation pipes and taking notes, um, you know, not really ever knowing like what time was I going to make it back to the city so I could get to, to practice in time because that was my goal was to go to the Olympics. And it was just, ter- And it wasn't the company. It wasn't, the, it was a bad company. It was a great, fantastic company. It was some people's dream job, um, but it was right. me.
0: But it just, it, it didn't align with your why. was was what mattered to you. Because if it really mattered to you, then picking weeks just is actually a joyful experience. It's amazing how that, that's a great metaphor for the whole thing, right?
1: Yeah. And it, it was like, hey, the reason I got this job is I was like, I wanted to have a career in agriculture. And, you know, because I thought agriculture was going to be an important, you know, business. And it, obviously it is. But after I checked in, you know, six months in, I was like, I am miserable. Like my, my intent and the reason I got into this is not enough. Like it is not, It's not giving me what I need. And um, I was fortunate that, you know, eventually the company I was working for um, ran out of funding, went out of business, they closed, I got laid off. And I was um, basically unemployed, trying to build a house with my brother because we couldn't afford to buy a home because the property values in in Saskatchewan had, had actually gone up. They had doubled during the time I was in university. So we were priced out of the market. So all we could afford to do was buy a plot of land and we started building a house ourselves. Um, and then I was unemployed. I was out of a job, but it was such a good thing because, um, I don't know if I would have quit because I'm, I'm pretty stubborn guy.
0: That's it. That's interesting that the situation kind of did it for you. You know what I mean? Cause at the end of that story, I was, I thought you were going to resign, but actually that's not how it went down. That's actually how somebody gets stuck in a job. They don't like for 20 years. Like that's the formula of how it starts, And then you get uh, some debt and then you get kind of, so it's interesting when you look at that situation on how the fact that you, I love the story where like, Hey, me getting fired was the best thing that ever happened. <laughs>
1: well, that was uh, my, uh, because I got let go. That was, uh, I got ended up getting hired by a, um, a firm that was kind of more into, uh, into kind of consultancy um, sales, marketing. That was my first kind of foray into, into business, so to speak. And Mm -hmm. that was when I was realized like, Oh my God, like, like you can, you can make a living doing something that you really, really enjoy. (laughs) And (laughs) imagine that I love working (laughs) with people so much. You know, I love working with people and that is really what we were doing is we were working with scientists to help them, run their their laboratories better and and solve and help them solve the problems and that, that then i was like the whole new world opened up to me and i don't think i ever would have discovered that i think i would have just ended up working in a in a in a field that i wasn't happy with just because i was too stubborn to quit
0: literally and figuratively working in a field <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sorry that was too easy i couldn't let that slide <laughs> Yeah. No, I do appreciate it. It's always interesting to hear because you know, even this is lining up my the other podcast I do, which I don't do as much of anymore. They just get it. It's about talking to people about how they ended up where they are because it's so easy to look at someone like yourself. I would just pick and go, oh, you know, skip the dishes. Super fortunate for him, you know. Like there's an easy way to minimize someone's success without understanding their backstory and realizing like kind of what people go through to get somewhere. And I think that's really interesting, especially when you talk about startups and you know, leaning in on a problem that you're not even sure if you can solve, but you're passionate yeah. about. And what it takes to actually put yourself in that environment. Like it's easy to go, yeah, just do a startup. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. You'll you'll make millions or billions. Not necessarily. And you might take four or five shots at that to find the thing that's the right fit for you. And just appreciating that most people didn't get there in a straight line.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that like there's a lot of talented people in the wrong careers, and I and I and I was one of them.
0: <laughs> there, that's there's a that's quote that's the day. Right and there. I
1: think that um, they're just trapped, right? They're trapped in the job that they don't like, and they can't. They, they just don't see a hope of getting out of it. And and I think it's just like um, people, you know, especially now that things are starting to change in Alberta. You know, we've got tons of successful oil and gas companies, but I think I think what people need to kind of ask themselves is like, hey, if I were to wake up twenty years from now. Um, am I going to be happy? Like, am I going to feel like I actually had a huge impact? You know, am I going to feel, am I going to be happy having solved the problems that I'm working on right now? Did I, did I affect the change that I wanted? Did I have the impact on people's lives that I wanted? And, um, again, I was fortunate. I got fired because, you know, company went out of business, but, um, there's a lot of people that, you know, they're maybe don't think that there is a possibility they can go and, and, and work somewhere else. And, um, that's where I think there's a huge amount of promise in startups and technology because it's never been easier to start a business than today.
0: Yeah. And as the ecosystem gets a little bit more depth and breadth and more people at different cycles, like from startup right through to success and exit, it just creates a bigger, it, it looks, it, it, there's more options for people. And, you know, I think in creating options in, a, in, a, in an environment where you, we need to do things differently is so, is so critical. And so having you guys come to Western Canada and start your business, you know, just who you're going to employ during this, during your growth, let alone what can happen once the exit and kind of those things, you know, depend, I shouldn't say exit is a foregone conclusion, wherever it, en- it ends up. A curious question from everything you've encountered so far in Calgary, is there any roadblocks or is there any things that, man, like we need to get, like, that's not good. Like we need to stop either something and maybe it's happening at municipal level or just, a you know, even a belief structure, but is there anything you'd want to like wave the magic wand and just kind of wipe that out as, as, as a limiting factor? I think, um,
1: you know, there, are, there, there are obviously tons. I mean, funding is a big one. Um, there is the, the kind of building of the ecosystem, but I think it's, to me, it's it starts with the culture that you have in in any type of whether that's a team, yeah. a company, a province, a city, a community. So you gotta have that culture first, and and I think that comes with people understanding like, hey, what what is like you know the art of the possible? Like, hey, like I can actually leave this comfortable job and start up a company, and and maybe it's gonna be really difficult for the first three years. Maybe I'm going to have to sacrifice my lifestyle a little bit or a lot. And so I think you need people starting to say, Hey, you know what? I'm willing to take a a lower standard of living to do something that actually I think is more important. And people going into it with the right intentions, like you mentioned earlier about intentions, it's going into it saying, Hey, like maybe it isn't all about making a million bucks or a billion bucks, right? Going into it with the, with the intention of like, hey, I I just want to do something that's more, um, that's going to make me happier, or it's going to solve a problem that I care about, uh, and then the byproduct of that can be that you 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 make some money, but that's not the primary goal, um, and, and so I think we've got to have that culture. And I saw this in 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 sport as well, um, where if we look at our neighbors to the south, I remember competing against a lot of Americans, and they, you'd have like guys that have no right even like being in a close match against me, but have this belief and this confidence and this like, Hey, I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm an American and I'm going to go and beat up this Canadian guy. And they're just like, <laughs> yep. and, and like they, it, but it trends like they, they want to be the best. Like they, like, and that's one thing I do actually like about it. I mean, Obviously America, I think is going through a very tough patch right now.
0: Um, no, but there's a belief structure. There's a different set of like that, that. That yeah, absolutely. It is very different, and I think we can often learn from the level of patriotism right through to that competitive like I deserve to win because I'm the best. Yeah, like I'm, whether that's true or not, sometimes that belief structure is what gets you to be the best. That's, that's an interesting psychology. I I tend to agree with you sometimes, which can be an unpopular thing to say about our neighbors to the south as Canadians, as a humble Canadians that we I,
1: are. I can't remember who said it. It's like whether you think you can or can't, you're right. You're right.
0: I don't know, is that Yoda? <laughs> I think that's a I think that's a Star Wars. I think that's a Star Wars quote, actually, yeah, to be totally that's, honest.
1: That's great. I love Star Wars, so <laughs> um, yeah.
0: You know something's become pop culture when you quote a character from a from a science fiction movie and you don't even know who you're quoting. That's awesome, actually. actually. Uh, so, <laughs> Whether you can or you can't. Yeah, right. so I, so, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I misquoted as well. We're, now we're gonna get the hate from Star Wars. Yeah, quotes.
1: no kidding. They're just like, How dare you, you know, misquote Yoda. He says do, do or do not. There is no try. That, that's yes. Yeah, that's Yoda right. One.
0: That is the Yoda one. Maybe. Uh, oh, sorry. It's Henry Ford. Also, a very, kind of a Yoda, but in a different way. So, yeah, that's a Henry Ford quote. Trusty Google's backing so, me up. So, so that to me me tough, like yeah. big, whether you think yeah. you can or you think you can't, you're right, Henry Ford. Yeah, so go on. The, the, Yoda, what the hell was I thinking? Anyway, now sorry. You're, really get the
1: email. you're like you're putting Henry Ford. <laughs> so that's, okay, that's
0: okay. That's okay. Yes, yeah, do or yeah, do or do not. There's no try. Thank you. Thanks. That's what I was but, uh
1: So I think we, like, <laughs> that, but that's the attitude, though. I think that's the roadblock. Is like we, we got to start setting our aims a bit higher. Like we got to start saying. Hey, we got to start doing things without guaranteed outcomes. We got to start um, taking doing things
0: without guaranteed outcomes. That's a really interesting. And I've had some guests come on and say, make the comment about if you think about the oil and gas world, large, heavy capital expenditure, high risk, like life and death projects. If you build something wrong, people can die. Uh, doing that world without guaranteed outcomes is very challenging by its nature so you know thinking about belief structures if we're moving into a world of where trying and failing is the mandate because we're going to learn every time to make it better it's a very different belief structure because you're not going to try and learn your rig like you got to get it right or else something could go horribly wrong and death is it back to that conversation we had earlier about death being an option i think that's i do appreciate or respect that that's a different mindset than maybe as what allowed our province to be successful in the past like at least in the immediate past, maybe eighty years ago, when oil and gas was a little bit more, you know, wildcatting like it was, and maybe it was a little bit of a different mindset than it is now.
1: Yeah, I think, and, and obviously, like the people who got the industry to where it is today, I mean, there was a ton of entrepreneurial spirit um, that that yes. basically built this whole province, you know. And I and I think that people, I think, are now starting to realize that, you know, the lives that our parents had, our lives are going to be much, much different than theirs you know, cause like they, yeah. the people who, you know, and maybe it was like the sixties, seventies, eighties, when people really started kind of like building out these companies that people work at today. Um, and there's always been tons of mergers and acquisitions and, and companies have come and gone, but there was a huge wave of value creation as people really built out the whole oil and gas sector in Alberta. And now we're at a point where I think it's, the the generation that's working there now it's they're realizing like okay it's it's a different time now it's it's we're not gonna have the massive increase in wealth that that i think the prairie saw in the first wave of it no you're right well yeah, well, because it almost
0: was a pioneering approach yes, yeah, exactly. to an entrepreneurial approach right. to now almost more of an operational approach. Yes. Where if you look back at the startup community, are we is it entrepreneurial or is it actually more pioneering? You know, just to play with words for the for the sake of it, and they're not synonyms. You know, p- being a pioneer in an industry and being an entrepreneur, I think are they're not the same. I think it's different.
1: Yeah, I think uh, well, I think being an entrepreneur today, I think it is. If you are doing it in technology, I think it is very much pioneering. Like you are trying to figure out mm-hmm. how how something works and doing something um, for the first time or taking a different approach to it. Like we're not in reinventing the banking industry at Neo. Um Like the banking industry existed before we were here. Um, we're, we're just yes. saying it should be getting done differently. So we're going to take experiences that people are used to on the apps they use every day, like the Airbnb, the Netflix, the Ubers, mm-hmm. I'll throw skip in the mix there. And and we're going to try to get, <laughs> yep. People to have that kind of experience. You know, a banking experience should be for how important it is in people's lives, it shouldn't be as transactional as it is. It should be, you know, more frictionless, more, more immersive. It should solve more problems for you. It should make your life better. And and so we we are taking a pioneering approach to figuring out how we can make it ten times better than it is today.
0: And that, yeah, just the concept of being a pioneer in something and the excitement and the energy that creates versus a more mature industry, which you know, if you look at the energy sector, it's gone through its cycles, but it's a much more mature industry than it was 60 years ago or 70 years ago or even 30 years ago when a lot of that big wealth creation happened. Let's be honest, right up to five years ago, there was still those pockets of, boom, start a junior, build it up, exit. Everybody, including the the office manager, you know, walks away as a millionaire. Like that was a real formula that existed in this town, and and it was it was a great formula. It's hard to give up on that, or at least you know, wishing it was still like wishing the past was still there is a, is also a bit of a human uh, experience. You know, you and I chatted about that offline a little bit. I wish it was like it used to be, but I, but in replace of that, what what else is out there that could provide that same type of value creation? Obviously, technology clearly demonstrated that that's the horse that you want to be on the race with?
1: Yeah. Well, I I think if you just look at the value creation that's occurred in the last 20 years, I mean, um, there's just so much wealth creation and value creation that's occurred through technology and, and how technology has impacted our lives. I don't think, um, at least from my perspective, and, and obviously there's tons that will disagree, but the, the, the kind of, we're in the age of information. Like that is the, the, the age that we live in now. And, if we want Canada, I think to have a position of preeminence in the world, then I think we need to be on the the forefront of technology. Like technology is Mm -hmm. what is going to shape the next hundred, 200,000 years. It's, it's, it is about technology and and it's like, well, I'd rather, I don't want us to be the users, just purely users of technology. We need to be the creators of it. That's where the value is.
0: Yeah. The consumer versus the consumer versus the creator is very different. And even look at, um, like the beekeeper or the bee back to the honey analogy you, for you
1: some mentioned consumer reason. though like Canada we do a lot in B2B but we don't do a lot in in B2C we don't do very much consumer brands in Canada yep.
0: yeah if you think about large consumer brands most of them even if they're even if they have offices here they're not based they're not from
1: here and so I think that that is one thing that we definitely need to get more people thinking about is um, okay like building consumer brands that Canadians use like we have laws around content for like Netflix Netflix has to show a certain amount of canadian movies any content yet every single brand that we interact with every day 95 percent of them are foreign companies you know like people Mm -hmm. check their phones and a
0: good and a good point and a good portion of them south of the border
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think 90 percent of people's time is spent on five apps and those five apps are generally like companies based in silicon valley yes why not like
0: yeah, if you look at yeah, consumer behavior and, you know, wh- where are the eyes and where's the activity and then working back from that, uh, that that's interesting because, you know, we've been such, you know, in our history, we've been resource-based, we've been, you know, produce hard, tangible assets. That's been very much the Canadian formula, but you're right, we're in this transition and sure, we're talking about Calgary, but we're really talking about like we're, we're, we're in it together. And you know, you, and you, you touched on it owner offline, how each province though is a little bit different. Like there are different philosophies and different belief structures. We are, we are one Canada, but we are like, I grew up in Quebec and now I live in Alberta. They are very different places to live. Like it's a very different cultural, like belief structures that exist there.
1: I think what's, what's exciting though, Tyler, is that we do have like the people who came to Canada. Like you you imagine, I don't know if you've seen, is it, is it Revenant? Is that what the Leonardo DiCaprio?
0: Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Which was filmed here. Yeah. Actually. I, think
1: I, I remember hearing that.
0: Uh, what was the guy? Uh, what was his name? Ugh, doesn't, i escape me out. But I read the book and saw, and watched the movie. Yeah, I remember Tom Hardy's character was awesome. Who was the guy that uh, Glass? Uh, it doesn't matter. Yes. I saw the movie. Please go ahead. I'm off in a rabbit uh,
1: hole. It's funny as I was watching that, I was just like, give this guy an Oscar, please. Like, he's living inside of a, a, a horse. Um, but like, you just look at like the people who came to Canada and like broke the prairies who. Like, I don't know if you've ever been out to, to um, the Lake of the Woods area, but like, can you imagine trying to canoe across Canada? Like you're talking like 50 (laughs) mile (laughs) portages and, you know, building the roads through the mountains and the railways and like the amount of pioneering spirit that, you know, and a lot of us, not everyone, but a lot of us are descendants from those people who did that. And, and, and we Mm -hmm. all came to Canada from somewhere, like most of us are not from here. And that spirit I think that brought people here and that's a big, like I can't even imagine, I can't even fathom doing the opposite of what my wife did and, and moving to Ukraine and like the wilderness of, of a foreign place and then just basically creating a living out of, out of nothing there.
0: Yeah. The level of, the level of grit required. <laughs> yeah. Hugh Glass yeah. was the legendary frontierman that yes. he played in the movie, but sorry, Google's my trusty Google is, uh, <laughs> I had glass, I just can't remember the rest. But no, if you think about the level of grit and the level of like when you think about this transition we're going through in Western Canada, that level of grit is what was required. Like let's not dress it up. Yeah, like, we can, <laughs> like that level of hard work and like you said, that level of willing to compromise potentially a certain degree of lifestyle or just what you have time for because you are so dedicated yeah. to solving a problem at a global at a lo- local to global level. The level of grit, resourcefulness, adaptability that's required, like that, those are those become the skill sets. Well, we were
1: talking about earlier about um, Ernest Shackleton in the story of endurance, um, and mm-hmm. so like all things considered, like things aren't terrible. Like they, they certainly can. <laughs> they're they're going to get bad, and, uh, and I think obviously there are people who are really really struggling, and and we, yeah. I, I never want to see someone go through any any you know unnecessary challenges. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's not like um, like the people who came before us went through more difficulty than than a lot of us are going through, and. I appreciate that perspective. You're, yeah, absolutely. I would agree. And so like we, we, I think, I think we're, we're, you know, we're, we are survivors, right? And we will, if we put our minds to it, if we have that grit that you're talking about there, I think we will find a way through, but we just got to, I think, focus on the right things and try to see, Hey, where's the puck going as opposed to chase the, chasing the puck. and, yeah, and, and obviously Yeah, which is a great example of of leaning of you know,
0: wishing wishing the resource sector comes back to what it was versus where the puck's going is like you said, it's technology, it's information, it's a global playing field. Well, that that's that's the game we're playing well, now. Not that oil I am a big believer that resources and will play a factor, but they can't be the only horse we have in this well, race, well, for sure. Like it the, doesn't make sense.
1: Obviously, like Alberta, especially like you look at Alberta is one of the few places globally that I think has the the talent. And the, the companies with the right balance sheets in order to solve some of these big problems um, that the world mm. is going to face in the next hundred years. And it's just kind of a question of just like, it's so difficult though, when the money is so good, <laughs> it's like-
0: it's Yeah, no, how do we compromise what we what we know for the risk of the potential unknown?
1: Absolutely. It's like, yeah, why would I go and do this other thing when this other thing that, you know, the current thing is paying me so well? It's like, why would I do something different? On the off chance or on the hope that it pays off long term and, and to, so i think we just need to start actually saying well now the thing that we was paying us so well it no longer is and, and now it's time to actually start saying what what are those big problems that we want to solve and and start making some big bets in in other areas that are more long-term thinking
0: which, like you said, you touched on earlier, that's a different mindset for the investor, the board member, the leader, the C-suite, the the twenty five year old who's you know wants to be excited about doing something. Like it, it, it strings like every one of those people, every one of those groups needs a different mindset to embrace. Kind of what you just said, like it's it's a change at every level. That's different for everyone. You know, if you're an investor who's been, you know, I've had some oil and gas CEOs, some uh, mid-sized, and they've come on and said, "Hey, we kind of had a playbook. Like we kind of knew how to do it." But that playbook got burnt five years. Like, got ripped up five years ago, and now we're kind of figuring it out. So, you even listening to them talk of like, they're like, we we knew how this worked, and all of a sudden, the rules are changed. So, everyone's being forced. Like, everyone's Apple Card has been kind of flipped over at the corner. I can't
1: imagine working in an industry with like with where you have so little control over like the price. Like, price of like oil changes all of a sudden. It's like okay, overnight, I don't have a business anymore, and like.
0: Yeah, overnight your company is not profitable because of an external factor that well, had nothing to do with a decision you made as a yeah, leader of like that company.
1: I remember I think it was in February where like <laughs> you know the Saudis and the Russians had disagreements, you know, maybe yeah. you know someone woke up on the wrong side of the bed, you know, misinterpreted an email, you know, whatever it is. It's like <laughs> now the price of oil the bottom drops out on it just because of something that happened around the world and now because something and someone's trying to do something politics whatever it is, now your livelihood is threatened. Like I, I I would never bet my family on that. I mean I would rather maybe I'm a control freak, but uh I'd I'd rather <laughs>
0: No, but when you, yeah, it's, it's all about understanding the risk that you're putting yourself exposed to. But that, yeah, that whole, the price taker reality that we are in Canada from a resource perspective, that's, uh, that's got an inherent risk as well. Like you said, but when it's going good, you don't want to look the gift horse in the mouth or, you know, whatever, whatever those sayings are. Oh, uh, interesting. Uh, Jeff, well, I feel we can, we could probably like pull another couple hours out of this one, but I do respect that you're a busy guy. You don't, uh, you don't pioneer a new way. Uh, a new customer centric way in the banking industry by maybe doing three hour podcasts with me, even though I'd like to think that that would be a factor. (laughs) Uh, Hey, what's the best way for people? Like if people are curious, is Neo at a place that as a customer I can engage with you at this point and actually could I become a customer of Neo Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, right now we had so much demand for for our Neo card. Um, We actually had to create a wait list because we actually couldn't contact customers fast enough. Um, to get the their card success problems. I like those. So, I like those problems. I mean we're heads down focused um on, on getting Neo out to the people right now. So people can go to Neofinancial.com, they can get on uh, get on our wait list. They should be getting if they're in Calgary, they should be getting uh, their Neo card really, really quickly. And and okay. even if they don't qualify immediately, we're coming up with um, new products pretty much every week. So there's going to be something there for everyone. So get on the wait list and kind of stay tuned for what's coming. Um, Neo is is made for every Canadian, and there's going to be something for every Canadian in it. And so I think, you know, get in right now, kind of help join the movement. Um, people can get a hold of me. Um, probably LinkedIn is probably the best. Um, so okay, and whether awesome. that's people who you know want to learn more about startups or. Um, people who want to learn more about, about Neo or, or even Harvest Builders, which, you know, obviously we could talk a ton about that on another time, um, or I could introduce mm-hmm. you to Chris Samer; He can come on and talk to you. Um, but, uh, yeah, just send me a message on LinkedIn and, and, you know, I've always got time to, to, uh, kind of get the message out about what we're working on.
0: I appreciate it, Jeff. I really appreciate your candor today. I think we had some, we had some hard points. We had some philosophy. We had some life lessons. No, I think that was that's that's why I always joke. and call this a good old fashioned chat because it's not a Q and A. Because when you're having a conversation about all like, there's so much of it and it's so nuanced into yeah. each other. And let's be honest, we're just a bunch of humans kind of banging through having it, having an experience. And the more other people you meet, yeah. I think the better that experience goes. So I really appreciated your time well, today. Tyler, Thank I you. I
1: appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing, and I'm really grateful that uh, we were able to connect and. And, um, I wish you all the, all the best. And, and, um, I'm really happy that we were able to have this chat.
0: It was awesome. Thanks Jeff. It's Calgary. I'm going to run into you tomorrow. It's just, it's just how, now that we've met it's on now it'll happen. It'll happen within the week. It's the way it goes, but thanks a lot for your time today.